As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What is up, everyone, and welcome back to my podcast. You're doing a good job. And in case you don't know, my name is Caleb, and I'm your host. Can I just say that when it comes to this podcast, it is my deepest desire not only to inspire you and challenge you, but also to remind you, regardless of where you're at in life, that you're doing a good job. My intention with this podcast is to dive deep and explore what it looks like to expand our lives consciously. Because when we expand our lives consciously, we become more emotionally aware, present, and connected people. And when we become more emotionally aware, present, and connected, we win. Our relationships win, our self-worth wins, our sense of purpose wins, and most importantly, our mental health and emotional wellness win. Now, if you follow me on social media, if you know anything about my story, then you'll know that mental health and emotional wellness are a big part of my journey. I often talk about how I did reach my dreams of playing in the NFL, but I lost myself in the process. And after years of healing and redefining that season of my life, it is a passion of mine to share a message and facilitate brave conversations around how we can begin to integrate our mental fortitude and determination to expand our lives with the power of vulnerability and emotional skills. Because when we live more consciously aware and integrated, we unlock our lives physically, emotionally, financially, relationally, and spiritually. And here just recently, I had a chance to sit down with an eight-year NFL veteran, Joe Hawley. And now before you jump to conclusions about this podcast and this conversation, let me just say that Joe, he's honestly probably one of the more self-aware people that I've ever had the chance to sit down and talk with. Not only that, but Joe's journey after football, it's a journey of courage and a journey that I believe we can all learn something from. So I just want to clearly state, and hear me when I say this, I want to clearly state that this conversation has little to do with football and everything to do with what it looks like to expand our lives consciously. Maybe you're not a sports fan, which is completely fine. Heck, I'm not even really a sports fan these days. But there does come a time when we all have to learn how to lean into the uncertainty of life. And let's get real. It's scary. Maybe you've been there before, or maybe you're there now. Regardless, that's what this conversation is really all about. What it looks like to run into the unknown. It's in the unknowns of life where we get a chance to lean into the discomfort and inevitably expand our lives. 
Now to break it down even more, on this episode, Joe and I talk about what it looks like to belong in life, what it looks like to separate our identity and our value from our performance in life, what it looks like to balance the masculine and the feminine energies inside each of us, or how Joe likes to refer to it is, how do we balance the creator and the performer in all of us? And honestly, I said this before and I'm gonna say it again, Joe does such a great job at breaking down what it looks like to not only run into the unknown and the uncertainty of life, but how we can begin to thrive when we find ourselves in that season. Joe really is such an incredible man that has so much to offer. And I just know that you're going to walk away with something from this podcast. And just so that you know, Joe, he is a former NFL athlete and turned entrepreneur. He's a podcast host, and he's the founder of the Heart Collective, a community built exclusively for former male professional athletes. After eight seasons in the NFL, he retired in 2017, donated his belongings, bought a van, and traveled the U.S. for nearly two years. During his time on the road, Joe realized the unique challenges that comes from transitioning out of professional athletics, like the feeling of isolation and loss of identity. He knew that a community of like-minded, high-achieving former athletes who are focused on reaching their highest potential outside of sports is what he deeply desired to surround himself with, which led him to create the Heart Collective in November of 2020. Again, Joe is so, so incredible, and you're going to get something from this episode. I'll make sure to have all of the ways that you can connect with him, including his podcasts, in the description to this episode. Lastly, before we dive into this podcast, can I ask a really big favor? If you do find this episode useful in any way, it would mean the world to me if you left a review on the podcast, as well as just share this episode with one friend that you might think would benefit from it. That would be so, so helpful. And now that we've got that out of the way, here's what Joe has to say. Joe, how are you, brother? I'm so good, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Excited for the conversation today, man. I was actually thinking about this uh, this morning when I was, uh, you know, crushing the Stairmaster. <laughs> you still Stairmaster, huh? <laughs> it's uh, trying to do something. Uh, <laughs> Post-COVID, I'm just trying to build up that uh, capacity in my chest to breathe deep again. No better way than walking stairs <laughs> in stationary positions. <laughs> But I was trying to think, um, I've had only a, a, a select few men on my podcast, but you are by far the first male, also former professional athlete that I've ever had on my podcast, which I just love. Mm, it's an honor. Yeah, I love that. Um, obviously, you know, people listening to this probably can't identify with playing in the NFL, but mm-hmm. they can identify with performance. And needing mm-hmm. to perform in life. Um, and something that I, I respect and admire from a lot of former athletes, whether regardless of what sport it is, is that performanceism has been our life. Like we have been judged, we have been graded, we have been evaluated all based on our performanceism. And so much of the work that we have to do after the game is learning how to separate our identity from our performance. Mm. Right. And so from your experience, what does that process look like? Because we can't throw performance out the window. We still need to perform in our jobs. We need to perform in life. But there is a distinction, a distinct difference between performance dictating who you are 
versus you recognizing who you are and performing in life. Yeah. Yeah. Wrapping up your worthiness and, and, and external validation and performance. Right. And I definitely, I think a lot of athletes, professional athletes that make it to the levels that we did, it's like, I think all of them share that common story of like, this is a way to prove myself to the world. Right. Yeah. And I'm so, I'm grateful for the stories that created that within me. Cause it got me to be so successful and, and, and achieve such high levels of success at what I put my mind to, but it, it created an even fall, uh, like further fall from grace when I no longer had that thing that I showed up in the world that gave me so much love and attention and, and worthiness and, you know, validation. Mm. And all of a sudden it was over and it was a really challenging experience to finally have to work through that, you know, and I think doing my own kind of deep healing work, cause I think walking away from, you know, any big transition in life, you know, for the people that didn't play sports, I think, you know, just leaving professional sports is just, it's just under such a microscope, but mm. I think it's a really beautiful opportunity to look at the story of who you are and the identity, right. And the ego construct is just, it's how we identify with ourselves, how we show up in the world. And when you go through such a big transition, like leaving professional sports, it like a big aspect of who I was is no longer a part of who I am. Mm -hmm. And so it forces me and it forces a lot of people to look at the deeper parts of who we are. And I think that's where a lot of guys get lost is they don't really know, you know, how to do that or how to navigate that. And it is really challenging. You know, for me, I ended up, you know, going on a journey that gave me the space to really do that self-discovery work. And on that journey and doing my own healing work in a lot of different ways, I realized that when I first started playing football, like there's a, there's a story with my, my dad, right? Like I wanted my dad's love and attention so much and he's not a bad dude. He just wasn't very present in my life. He didn't have a lot of life experience to share with me. But when I started playing football, a bunch of male role models around, they started giving me love and attention. They told me I could be good at something. And I was like, whoa, this is it. And that's when I put all my focus, energy, and attention into being the best on the field. And I put my self-worth so wrapped up in that performance on the field that I remember if I if I used to get beat, like in a one-on-one drill or in a game, give up a sack, I literally felt like I was like just the worst person ever, like hated myself, like I'm not worthy, like this, that. And so it forced me to excel on the field or else I would feel very like in pain and suffer. And so that story created a lot of success on the field and a lot of success in my career, but it also created the other side of that, which is like, if I wasn't performing well, then I wasn't worthy. And so on this journey of figuring out who I am on a deeper level, it's really a journey of finding that love for myself without the external validation. I think that's the journey that everybody needs to go on, especially in our culture and society where everything is so tied up in performance, what, what we do, how, how much we've achieved, but that is all really fleeting. Right. And it yeah. never actually fills that void within us that is seeking that, that real love. Yeah, it's very well said. I think this is like the, uh, the dance in life, right? Because it's easy. I remember when I was recognizing this in me and not yet having the tools that would help me process this and work through this where immediately then my answer became to like kind of walking away from all performance performance is so ego driven and really judging it and demonizing it. And mm. then you get to this point where you're not doing anything with your life. Yeah. <laughs> right. So there has to be that clear distinction between the two. Um, my question for you is this is probably a two part question. Do you know who Pippa Grange is? I do not. She just actually released a podcast. Uh, she was on one of Brene Brown's podcasts. Uh -huh. I think it was her Dare to Lead podcast. And she is 
amazing. She's a sports psychologist, and I think she was responsible. I'm going to butcher this. She was responsible for like a team, uh, a football team in the UK soccer, um, like basically breaking a losing streak. She was responsible of going in and really like doing a lot of sports psychology work with this team that catapulted them forward. And she talks about like, are you living life or are you performing your way through life? It's Mm. a solid question to ask. And I'm wondering for you, even after you've done so much work in really understanding and like shifting your consciousness around performance, what are the ways that you can look from a point of self-awareness? What are the ways that you can look at your life and say, oh, I'm still performing in life here? Are there any areas that come up? Absolutely. Like, I feel like it's such a dance, right? Like you said, it's, it is really about finding balance. And, you know, there's a lot of like in the spiritual communities, like the masculine and feminine, but like in the athletic reality, there's still that same thing. And I like labeling it the performer and the creator, right? Mm. It's the doer and the beer. And it, it, life is really about finding balance between that. And I find myself all the time, like, and it really comes down to self-awareness. Like you talked about, that's the key is being able to have a self-awareness and constantly reflect back on yourself. Like, what is my motive here? How am I showing up here? What am I really doing this for? What's the intention? And even with what I'm building with the heart collective and the community, like at, at times I like question, it's like, okay, I'm, I'm showing up to be of service. This is like my purpose. I want to do good in the world. And that's really what I'm doing. And then I, it's like, I question like, is that my ego still wanting to build something of importance and be important and perform and being in this entrepreneur journey and like investing. And it's like, I think it's both and right. Like, I think the ego is a tool that can help us show up in the world, right? It's actually a necessary tool. It's it's a thing that creates separation, right? And so it's not about transcending the ego or not like doing anything. It's about finding that balance and always having the self-awareness and using the ego as an ally to show up and, you know, live your quote unquote Dharma or your purpose or what you're here to do. And I think it comes down to, for me is, are you being the creator of your life? Or are you being the victim of your life? Mm. And I think those are, if you, if you kind of distill it down into the two options right there, it's like, is life living you? Or are you living your life? Good. Right. Are you the one that's creating the life that you want to live? Or are you just saying, Oh, I can't do this because life is doing this to me. Right. And it's back to that concept of is, is life doing this for me or to me or even the third level is through me. Right. And when I think you have a self-awareness and you are able to find stillness and quiet and and listen to that voice within you, that's calling you to do whatever it's called to do in the moment. It's really surrendering into that. And yeah, it's, it's, it's really all about balance, man. Like I, I navigate that every day. Like, why am I doing this really? Yeah. I think there's something to be said though, that the fact that you're willing to even ask that question tells me about the intention behind what the pure intention behind what you're doing i feel like it's like we talk about narcissism there's a lot of talk about narcissism out there in the world right like are you dating a narcissist and a lot of people fall in the trap of like oh my god am i a narcissist but the fact that i'm even questioning that i have the the ability to become a narcissist means that i'm probably not a narcissist because (laughs) narcissists aren't even going to question if they're a narcissist right that doesn't even pass through their mind so i think it's kind of like am I doing this from an ego perspective or am I doing this through a creative approach? The fact that you're even asking that I think tells a lot. Being able to determine whether it's my own resistance, right? Because Mm -hmm. what I'm building is, is forcing me outside my comfort zone. Right. And then there's the fear of like, 
you know, can I, can I pull this off? Am I, am I worthy enough to create this? Like, who am I to create this? And so is the story of like, why am I creating this for my ego? Just my resistance showing up and playing that role of telling me like, what are you actually doing this for? Or is that the thing that's trying to hold me back from actually showing up? So there's all these different layers and stories that we have to continue to work through. And, you know, the ego is a, is a, is a very tricky thing because it like can go and play all these different roles and all these different voices in your life. And so it's, to me, I think the most important skill for anybody to develop is the ability to question and oh, the curiosity wow. and continuing to show up, even if, cause we never really figure it out. I think that's the whole point and journey of life is to continue to unfold to the experience that's being, you know, brought to us. And I think a big problem with where the world's at today is we get attached to stories. We get attached to ideologies. We get attached to belief systems. We get attached to the story of even who we are and our identity. And so when we go through a big transition, all of a sudden we're faced with this, this new way of being that is presented to us. And a lot of us don't know how to navigate that because we get too attached. And so it's the ability to really start questioning and having curiosity, like, wait, what is this true? Is this thing serving me? Can I let it go? You know, I think that is really where we're going even collectively is being able to let these old paradigms uh, go. Yeah. Even as you say that, I'm thinking about how important it is that our identity is not attached to our performance. When we understand our innate value of our, our worth in life, because it's just it's innate. It's who I am. It's what I was born into. Right. When I really can wrap my head around that and my heart embraces that I'm willing to live more unattached. Mm. right because now i'm not finding worth in my belief systems i'm not finding worth in this community or in the work that i do or this this and this right i'm finding worth in just who i am it's mm. innate but until we can actually separate the two um it's easy it's easy or not easy but i would say it's we live more attached because that's mm. where we do find worth value and identity yeah and that's why we have to question even the stories that you know, the, the, the programming, the conditioning that our society and the culture puts on us of like, what does success look like? What does fulfillment look like? How do you reach happiness? And it's usually the story of like bigger, more, um, more success achievements, like accomplishing things, getting the bigger house, nicer car, more job, making more money. Yeah. Like all of this stuff people think leads to happiness. And it's the people that finally reach that level that like, wait, there's still something missing. Like, what is this? And so being able to question, like, why am I showing up and doing this thing? You know, like, like having a kid and I had a kid a, a month ago. Congratulations. As, yeah. Thank you. <clears throat> but it's just really like opening my perspective and lens. Like children aren't born into this separation. They're, they're not programmed into our society. And what we do as parents and adults and as a culture is we start pushing this narrative on them. And then the funny thing is like us doing this, this work on ourselves and this healing work is like, trying to remove the programming and remove the stories that have been put on us. And I think the big thing is questioning, like, is this mine? Like, is this belief system mine? Like a lot of, you know, it's funny how people that grow up in a religious family, they adopt the religious beliefs. And it's like, is this my belief? Did I choose to believe this? Or is it something that was just kind of programmed into me? And I think continuing to question everything and it's okay. If like all of a sudden you, you question stuff and you come back to that same belief, but you, it's a difference between, you choosing to believe it and then it just like being passed down to. Absolutely. That's literally like, I feel like the epitome of like you taking back power to your life. Mm -hmm. It's like, I understand the narratives that are the driving forces behind my life and I'm choosing to believe them because I was willing to question them. I think Mm -hmm. that's so powerful. And I think for me, like 
I often talk to a lot of people when I'm talking to people or they're asking me advice. There is like a fundamental belief system that we have to first and foremost, I feel like embrace before we can go on this journey. And this belief system is this knowing that God or this, the universe is 1 billion percent for me. Mm. And I could never do anything that could separate the love from the universe, from God. There's nothing like no amount of achievement can make God or this universe love and accept me more. And no amount of failures or mistakes could make God or this universe love me less. I'm mm -hmm. as much love as I could possibly be because I live in this experience of love. That's mm -hmm. God. That's the universe. Mm -hmm. And I found that a lot of people, myself included in the beginning, were I was afraid to question anything because I didn't have experiences or the understanding of what true love is. Can mm. you relate with that? Can you identify with that? Yeah. Yeah. Like what, like unconditional love, right? Unconditional love. And like really understanding what that is. And I think we, the love that we've kind of portrayed in our society and our culture is not real love. It's kind of attachment. Right? Yeah. yeah. And it's conditional. And it's like, if you do this for me, then I'll show up for you in this way rather than just loving fully. And I don't think you can fully love another until you can fully love yourself. Right. You can only love another to the extent in which you love yourself. And I think like what you talked about, it's, and I think this is a big, you know, the, the miss teaching of like the Christian belief system. Just, I'm just familiar with that because that's the one I grew up in, but it's this idea of separate self separation. Like I am separate from God. God mm -hmm. is up there. He created this experience with that that just doesn't vibe with me because yeah. if even in the Bible, it talks about the alpha, alpha, the Omega, he is everything. It is everything. It is all around us. Like we are an aspect of the creator. Yeah. And the cool thing is that we have an awareness of it. And so that's why it comes down to self-awareness, right? You have the ability, like consciousness is the gift of the universe to us. We, and when you fully understand this, you can realize that we are the creators in creation with the ability to create. I mean, even I look outside right now, like this house I live in, the car, everything I'm looking at was created by humans. Yeah. So like objectively you can say, we are the creators of our reality and through stories and myths is how we kind of evolved. And these stories were created by people that just became, came before us. Yeah. And we have the ability to shift the story, right? Yeah. And, the, and the narrative. And I think it's, and that's what comes back to like, are you the creator of your reality? Or are you the victim of your reality? And when you can really work on the self-awareness and realize like, oh, I can create the reality that I want to live. And it's challenging. It's, it's, it's a courageous, it takes a lot of courage to go on a journey like that because then you have to start taking responsibility for where you're at in life. And that's really hard for people to do. It's easier to be like, oh, I'm just, this is just my circumstances. It's like, have you tried changing your environment? Like you just picked up from California and trusted the fact that you're being That's called good. to Nashville. I'm sure there's a lot of challenges with going to a new city and a new environment and fitting in, but it's an opportunity for growth and realizing like, okay, what, what, how can I show up today and create the life that I want to live? And I think more people are starting to realize that mm. and getting out of this narrative of like working nine to five grinding till I'm 65. And then all of a sudden, like, that's when I can start living life. It's like, Oh, well then your life's going to be over. <laughs> Cause you're going to die. Soon. You know what I mean? 100%. So my question, uh, and a follow up to that is for somebody out there listening that really wants to step into a deeper awareness of the love all around them. What does that look like? Yeah. Um, 
like practical steps, I think, it, you know, improving self-awareness, we're habitual creatures. And I think for me, one of my, I, I read this book called The Habit Loop, and it was really eye-opening to me because we, we are habitual creatures. Like 99% of us are just sleepwalking through life. And this is what, you know, people talk about like waking up and a spiritual awakening. It really is just waking up to the idea of like, like cause and effect. Like if I eat this donut and I have an awareness that it makes me feel sick, the next time maybe I won't eat the donut, but the brain chemistry is telling me to eat that donut because it's immediate gratification and it feels good. But then if having awareness of like an hour later, my energy levels are down and I don't feel good. It's like, Oh, maybe it was that donut. And in that book, the habit loop, one of the big things was like, like when we brush our teeth, it talks about when you brush your teeth, I guarantee you're not thinking about brushing your teeth, but you're in your mind yeah. and you're, you're telling stories. And it, I remember I read that book and I like, I was brushing my teeth one day. I was like, okay, whoa, I'm brushing my teeth. And I remember the book. So I was like, and I just brought awareness to like my mind. And I was just thinking about the day and what I was doing today. I wasn't actually present with brushing my teeth. And yeah. I was like, try to brush your teeth and feel the bristles going mm. against your teeth and the saliva in your mouth and the taste of the soap. And it's just like, oh, wow. And that's constantly trying to unfold and become present with the experience unfolding and getting out of our heads and out of our minds. And so I think creating positive habits and momentum, right? and eating healthier. I think it all starts in the physical body. We can't access higher levels of awareness. If we don't feel That's good right. in our physical body. So I think nutrition and diet, but those are really tough things to change. So starting small, I think a morning routine is key because then you can build momentum throughout the day. And I think practices like, like finding stillness, whether it's meditation, even if it's just five minutes, setting, setting an alarm for five minutes and not doing anything, but just like sitting with your thoughts and just seeing what comes up. And I think one of the most powerful things anybody can do is to start writing and journaling and journaling about wow. your, your, your experience. You know, I think journaling, something really magical happens when you do stream of consciousness journaling, which is just like morning showing pages. Up, the morning pages. Okay. Right. And I do mine on my laptop so I can just, I pull up an app and I just show up and I just write and I can literally like ask a question or like, Hey, I'm feeling this. And then like something magical happens where like I can start processing in real time and I'm having this conversation with myself or a deeper part of myself or something. And it, and it, it's almost like you can actually ask the universe questions and you get <laughs> these answers because there's this, this weird connection. And so I think doing practices like that allows you to break the habitual kind of routine and patterns of the day. Um, I think there's a lot of things like traveling, changing your environment, all these things really help break you out of the, like the rut of just, you know, the monotony of life. No, I love that. I love everything you just said, but before I ask anything else, what app do you use for your stream of consciousness writing? It's called, it's called one day one, day one, day one. Yeah. And I just download it on my Mac and then it's passcode protected and it comes up. And the cool thing is I started this a couple of years ago and it tracks each day on the calendar when you journal. And so like I can go back when I was doing the van life trip and see what I was journaling about back then and where I was at in life. And so it's really cool if you, if you keep this daily journal, especially like digitally like this, you can actually go back and access all these different days in, in history and like see what you were feeling in that day. I love that. I actually, this is sounds silly. I never, I try to do morning pages. I try to mm. do that every morning. Um, and it's just a pain in the ass for me to sit down and actually write when like handwriting. And I've yeah. actually never had the thought to do it on my computer. So thank you for well, giving yeah, me permission. Things, right. Like, like writing is really good too. Cause there's something that happens like imprinting the brain. So I think there's, it's just different tools. Yeah, right. But definitely. I love doing it on the computer cause you can type faster. faster. And so it's, it's even more stream of consciousness because yeah. you're literally typing what's coming up as it goes. And for people that are listening, like, 
for me, I had a lot of resistance to journaling at first because I would always judge myself and think like, yeah. what if someone wrote, wrote, read this? And like, I want to make sure like the grammar's correct. And I would edit it. <laughs> the key is to like, not edit anything, yeah. just let it flow out of you as it's coming. And if you can't think of anything, like just start with like, Hey, I can't think of anything. This is weird. This is stupid. Uh, and then all of a sudden you'll just start flowing out. And it's really fascinating the work that can be done by just writing your thoughts out. I'm inspired. I legitimately am inspired with that. Thank you. Um, I love what you said about like just the, the, the mundane routine of life and coming in and really disrupting that intentionally disrupting that. I think it's Joe Dispenza who talks about how like 97% of the thoughts that we have today were the exact same thoughts that we had yesterday and we expect our life is going to change. Mm, yeah. You know, until we are intentional with going and becoming more increasingly aware of the thought patterns of the emotions that are driving and dictating our feelings and our experiences of life, then and only then do we give ourselves a fighting chance to change. And I think a mm. great way of doing that is actually disrupting your life, whether you are making a move, whether you are changing morning routines or habits. But I know for you after the NFL, there was a massive life disruption where you decided mm -hmm. to walk away from the life that you have known up to this point and live in a van. Mm -hmm. Did you do that for an entire yeah. year? Yeah, close to a year and a half. Yeah. So when I, when I first walked away from the NFL, I, I, I made the decision uh, before my final season and I'm, I'm really grateful that I was able to, to spend my eighth year knowing it was going to be my final year. Cause I think a lot of guys, their careers are over before they really want yeah. them to be. Um, for whatever reason. So I was able to be very present through all of the hard parts of a season, the grueling physical demand, the, the performance anxiety, all this stuff. I was able to be very present with it because I was, I knew it was gonna be the last year. And That's I was awesome. kind of, there's a part of me that was really excited about walking away, obviously for a lot of different reasons. And, but when it was finally over, you know, during that year, I think one of the challenging parts was, you know, not only was my identity wrapped up in the game of football, but all of the people closest to me were also, kind of their identity of who I was was wrapped up in football. And so my parents, I was engaged at the time um, to my fiance and, and, you know, we had our, our, we had kind of a toxic relationship, but I felt very unsupported when I was telling her that I was thinking about walking away from the game. And, you know, her identity was obviously wrapped up in me playing football and the money that comes with it and all this stuff. So I ended up transitioning out of that relationship, like four weeks before my final game, played my final game. And then a couple weeks after that, like the finality of that decision really hit me. And I just, it literally felt like physically heavy. Like wow. there was grief felt a void within my heart and I just didn't know what to do. And I just knew there was this, this aspect to me that I was excited about experiencing the freedom for the first time. Like who am I without this game that I spent my entire life playing? And so that led me on the decision. I just knew I needed to get moving. I think movement during transition is huge. Like That's go so change your environment. Right. And so I ended up giving away all my stuff to charity. I bought a van, I rescued a dog from the local shelter and I hit the road and that was going to be for a couple months just to like road trip, see some friends and family around the country. And that turned into, you know, I, I ended up traveling the road for eight months with my first van and I took a break for four months, found a new van and traveled for another um, like eight months to a year, ended up here in Austin. And now I'm actually just transitioning into my third rig but like, yeah, it's completely shifted. My life was being able to get out into the unknown and go towards that kind of feeling of the unknown. Right. I think a lot of people get debilitated by it and they don't know what to do. It's like, just, just trust, just get out there, go experience. And it like life will find you if you're open to it. 
I love that. And I would love to dig into like more, um, more experiences that you had on the road and what it really taught you. But what do you say to somebody that hears this and their first thought is like, that's good and great because you have the financial means maybe to give you the space to hit the road. For a lot of people listening to this, they can't just hit the road. They could maybe, but there's probably obviously other responsibilities. So how can we create that space in our lives to go explore um, and so that we can experience the disruption of our normal life and begin to experience more change? What do you say to that person? What yeah. does that look like? Yeah, I get that a lot. It's like, oh, easy for you to say because yeah. you do this or I wish I could do that, but, you know, and I think... I think the first thing I would say is you don't have to go live in a van to have this kind of yeah. impact. You can go on a weekend trip if you're in LA to, to, totally. to Phoenix, to the Grand Canyon, to like, there's a bunch of nature, national parks, places to go, vacations to be had for just a couple of days. Okay. So there's, there's that. And I think getting curious on like, if you say, Oh, I wish I could do that. But like, what is that? But holding you back. That's good. And, and, and you can, you can easily say, Oh, like, you know, I think if you have kids and other life people that are dependent on you, obviously that I think is a very grounding thing and being able to create, create experiences. But like one of the things I, I kind of adopted when I was on the road was live with less and experience more. And it's like, how can we, you know, look at what we're accumulating in life, minimize that, and then spend our resources on experiences. I think that that goes a long way. And it's so funny because you know, I've done my own journey of like, yeah, like it is easy for me. Right. Cause I have this financial, the security blanket to go do this kind of stuff, but out on the road, like I've met, I've met so many people that didn't play in the NFL that didn't make millions of dollars that are living this life just as, just as freely. Right. If not more. And so there is plenty of people out there doing it. And so it's really getting clear. And if you really like, if you say like, I wish I could do that, like, do you really like, if you really want to do it, like, are you the creator of your life? Like you can figure it out. Cause there's plenty, I can point you in the direction of hundreds of people that I've met on the road that are living this lifestyle and creating the life that they want, especially nowadays when there's so much opportunity. And I would say, and argue that I think the thing that's holding you back from doing it is the fear of letting go and being able to like go into the unknown because it is a scary thing. And it takes a lot of courage to uproot your life and even just change cities. Yeah. And, um, so I would, I would say, you know, that, the, it's so funny because the, the, the biggest value we have in this country is our freedom, right? Mm. And I've been doing a lot of thought and contemplating about freedom and what does it actually mean? And I think if you are ever saying, like, I wish I could do something, but like, are you actually free? And I think real freedom is the ability to create the life and become the creator of your reality. And the stories that are holding you, holding you back from actually going out and doing that those are the things that are making you not free. And those are usually limiting beliefs, their fears, their, you know, the scarcity mindset, like all of these different things that are internal journeys to really find freedom and go and create the life that you want. And it really comes back down to self-awareness and being able to get curious on what those stories and, and limiting beliefs actually are and where they come from. Right. And that's the healing journey that we're talking about is really doesn't need to be some traumatic childhood experience, like yeah. sexual assault that you need to come over. It's like, no, it's something as simple as, I have this belief about my ability to show up in the world. Where does that belief come from? Oh, it's probably from an experience when I was younger that told me I wasn't good enough or I would never amount to anything or I had to do this to be successful or I tried to prove myself to my parents. And there's all these different stories and having a self-awareness and, and doing the deep work that it takes to uncover where those stories come from and being able to move them out of the way. That's how we work towards finding real freedom. Yeah, I love all of that. Have you always been an innate curious person? 
Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, when I was younger, what comes to me is, you know, growing up in a Christian household, I think the the biggest enemy to the church is, is the question why. Yeah, right. Totally. And I remember asking like, why is it like this? Or like, what about this with different belief things? And I remember the, like even asking my parents why, and I think a lot of kids ask questions why they're naturally curious. And I think our curiosity is stifled, especially, I mean, and, and nothing against like parents that like, obviously there's when a kid just keeps asking why, like, why, why this, why this, why that, it can get annoying. Right. <laughs> but being like not stifling the natural curiosity. I think that's what happened to me is like, it, it became this bad thing to be curious because it was annoying my parents when I and really like, I just wanted to know how things worked. Yeah. And, you know, I always had this innate trust in this, this universe and this, this, you know, quote unquote, God I had a lot of resistance to the word God and the belief structure around God because the belief structure I believed in, but I always had this, I knew there was this creation creator, something out there, which created this, this deep desire to know and seek truth for myself, especially because I wasn't getting the proper answers when I was younger in the Christian faith. And so I went out and, and, you know, on the road, I really um, found, you know, what God meant to me through my own experience out in nature and, um, you know, being curious, meeting people, the synchronicities of life and a bunch of other different things that have actually allowed me to connect through personal experience with the, you know, I don't like even God, I think a lot of people have resistance to the word God because of what I just talked about, but even the word God, I think we talked about this when you came on my podcast is putting the energy of the universe in a box, which then diminishes the actual meaning of what it is. So it's almost like there, you can't even, it's ineffable. It's indescribable what this experience is. And I think the big key, I think every single person has a deep desire to know God or this experience or this universe or whatever it is on a deeper level. And I think that's the journey of self-discovery and self-realization, but you have to have the courage to go on that journey in order to find it through your own experience and not believing it because someone told you. Yeah. I love that. Uh, I feel like I can relate to it so much, especially when you talk about the the church. And I want to say that my, I don't know if as a young kid, um, it's crazy when I talk to like my therapist and stuff on how much I have like blocked out some of my childhood. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. But going back, I don't know if as a young child, I was innately curious, but I will say that as I got older and as I, found more identity in the belief systems that were passed down to me through the church, I lost that innate curiosity because it was anti-faith. Right. And so it was like, don't, it was almost like don't question anything is symbolic with having more faith. Yeah. Like blind, this idea of blind faith, right. It's like, don't ask questions, just, just trust and just have blind faith. Right. And I remember getting that. It's like, well, what about, like, what about this? Like, what about, you know, the population in India that India that was never exposed to Christianity, they're all just going to hell. Like something as simple as that. It's like, well, that's why we were missionaries and that's why we have to go preach the word. And it's just like all of these little things. And it's like, well, have faith, have faith. And so I, I, I had this, this skewed concept of what yeah, faith actually absolutely. was and realizing now, like I've been contemplating this actually quite a bit over the last few months is like, what is faith? Like real faith is earned mm. through experience, through those courageous enough to trust the universe, trust God, trust their heart and understand that, you know, I, I truly believe for those courageous enough to go into the unknown and follow their hearts, oh, the universe will reward them mightily. I and I think yeah. that's where the synchronicities and trusting what comes through. And that's real faith, right? 
faith is not like, oh, I'm just going to absolve myself of responsibility and trust that I'm going to go to heaven because I have this belief structure, yeah. but then still, still carry a lot of fear of the world and worry, right? Like, like it's, for example, my, like my mom's a worrier and I think there's this innate like motherly energy that worries, but I find it fascinating that people that are really, you know, in the Christian faith and they follow and they preach it and like Jesus is the way, but they actually worry and have a lot of fear. And it's like, where's your faith? Like, where's your faith in the creator, in the experience? But it's because there's this foundational belief that God is separate mm. from me. So I need to worry and I need to believe this thing in order to be saved and have salvation. But that, to me, that's just, that's spiritual bypassing. It's like, how do you interact with reality? How do you actually have faith and go earn your faith through actual experience and trust that like every time I've gone through a challenge, a hardship, a navigation, a transition, it's, there has been a lot of challenges, but it's led to so much growth and it's gotten me to where I'm at. And so it's welcoming those challenges and having a different perspective. It's like, okay, what's the lesson here? How can I grow through this? What can I learn from this? And I think having that is being engaged with the experience and what God is actually, you know, offering us. That is the gift of life is to, to live it. That is so beautiful and so well said. I often, I often use the words like I have to build a history with God. Because once you build a history with God, that can never be taken away from you. People can take anything else away from you, but you have a history with God. Whenever you're willing to say, and this has been my experience, and I've seen this idea of faith, and the way that I explain or really kind of describe my own experience of faith is like my life is being held. Mm. And I can rest in that hell. Just like I sit down in a chair and I trust that that chair is going to uphold me. Why? Mm. Because throughout the course of my life, every time I've acted and had an experience of sitting down in a chair, that chair has held me. So it's created this experience of knowing that I'll be held. Every time I sit down, it's the same. I build a history with God every time I say yes to my heart. And it's not the most logical decision. It's telling me to move here. It's telling me to quit this. It's telling me to do that. And I trust, I build a history with God. And as I build a history with God, I can now look back at my life and live in this faith because I can say to myself, life probably more than likely won't unfold the way that I expect it to unfold, but I can trust that my life is still being held because mm. my past experiences now, as I have said yes to the still small voice in me, the Holy Spirit in me guiding my life, it's mm. proved to me that, yeah, maybe life doesn't unfold the way you expected, but there's one thing I know. I'm going to fall probably, but I'm not going to hit the ground. My mm. life is constantly being held. And what that does for self-confidence, what that does for faith, what that does for experiencing intimacy with one, with God, with the universe is absolutely so life-changing. Mm-hmm. And yep, that's, that's like, the journey we're on. Yeah, and that's and that's been the thing that's like really marked my life. Um, since you've said this, and since we've brought this up a couple of times, how would you say your understanding or your definition of God has changed throughout your own experience of going on your own journey? Mm, yeah, I mean, I think it you know basically goes from this idea of God is separate from self to this idea that we are one with God. Right. And the way I like to explain what, cause I'm really into like philosophy and metaphysical mystical teachings and science and quantum physics and like all this stuff. And so what friends, I've, Joe. Um, 
That's why we're friends. Uh, and that's what my podcast is all about. Quantum coffee. I just love exploring the unanswerable questions of the universe. Cause that's really all it is, is having a curiosity of what it means. And I think innately we are the universe experiencing itself with that innate curiosity to understand itself, but we can't, it's all paradoxical. We can't actually reach an end point because then there that's would be good. an end, which means there would be no beginning. Right. And so the way I like to describe it is like, if, if we're all one, right. If God is one in everything and in the beginning was the word. Right. And so if there's this, let's say this energy bubble of everything and all, and we are God, that experience, it's going to be kind of boring, right? Yeah. It's like pure love, pure energy, but there is no, there's no relative experience to something else. And so what I believe is God or the universe or the energy that uh, the initial energy of life in order to have an experience had to create separation. And so for me and you, we are the aspect of the same energetic field, but we have this experience of separate separateness, right? Separate self. And so we are the universe or God having an experience of otherness, right? Whether it's tree, this house, you and me. And so the, the experience of separation and other is the gift from the universe so that we can actually have an experience period, because otherwise if, you know, you can't know what hot is unless it's in relation to cold. You can't know what up is unless yeah. it's relation to down. And so we live in this polarity, this duality of opposites. And that is what separation is. It creates the opportunity to have an experience, but it's when you have the self-awareness that you are, you have an aspect or a spark of the divine within you, which is the awareness, which is the ability to create your existence that's when it becomes really fun because then you become this partner with the universe where you're having this beautiful experience and you you're accepting everything that the universe has to offer you. Like you don't label things as, as good or bad. They just are there in front of you. Right. And so even the challenging aspects of life are such a gift because they allow us to feel and having feeling and emotion. And if everything was all hunky dory all the time, then it wouldn't be, you know, as, as, as a deep experience that we get to have, and so I think it's about honoring, you know, the full breadth of human experience in life and not judging, right? And when you understand that fully, that leads to real compassion for others and yeah. the experience that they're having and being able to hold space for them and not judging them for where they're at, but loving them for where they're at. And I truly believe like, you know, going on this journey of finding my own experience of what God is like and diving, I had so much resistance to the Bible and God, the word God and Jesus for the longest time. And it wasn't until I went on this path of deep discovery for myself and learning about like Eastern religion and philosophy and mystical teaching and all that stuff. And finally, after all that foundational understanding and, and, and learning for myself through my own experience, coming then back to the story of Jesus yeah. and the Bible and, and, and trying to understand like, who was Jesus? What was he actually trying to teach and realizing, Oh man, this guy was just embodying pure loving presence. Mm. And, and honestly, like that is, what I think I'm trying to do. And I think that's what everybody that's on this path is trying to do is like, how can I fully embody what Jesus was teaching as a way shower of what we're all capable of? And I think that's why the Christian faith has gotten so misguided because it's not revolving around what Jesus is actually teaching, but it's about how the men are interpreting yeah. what Jesus is teaching, which is it's way off from truth. Right. And if you look at what Jesus is actually trying to teach a lot of the stuff, if he showed up today and walked into a church I guarantee he would not be very happy with the, some of the way people are, sure. are really treating, you know, his, his kind of his word and, and his name. I love that definition. So, so, so well said. Um, it's, how did you say it? it's like a full embodied 
embodiment of loving presence, right? An embodiment of loving presence. I love that, man. I really appreciate everything that you uh, have said on this podcast. We've talked about identity. We've talked about performance. We've talked about love. We've talked about God. And now I just want to, with all that being said, um, and how much growth you've done in your life and are experiencing your life and the work that you've done, which I 100% honor uh, and respect and admire, uh, you just had a, a son, you said? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Luca. Luca. Baby Luca. Baby Luca. I'm just like thinking of baby Luca and knowing, um, the kind of man that he's already going to be raised as because of a father who's willing to do the work himself and not pass down some of this generational bullshit that you probably have had to confront on yep. your own journey. I just deeply respect that and admire that. I guess my Thanks. question is, is after all the work you've done in your life, one, are you happy Two, if so? Yes. How do you find yourself like sustaining that happiness in your life? Yeah, I would say, uh, yes, I am. I'm happy. Um, but I definitely, <clears throat> like currently I'm navigating this feeling of, of monotony of this stagnancy, this, this energy. Um, you know, I've like freedom is, is really one of my biggest ideals. And, and I, I got married over the last year, had a kid, a lot of life changes. Right. And so grounding into that new reality and I've, you know, it really comes down to self-awareness and witnessing these stories that come up and, yes, at times I feel overwhelmed. At times I feel stressed. You know, I'm building a new business. I got a, a, a two podcasts I'm working on relationship, baby traveling, like all this stuff. And so I do get overwhelmed at times and it, it really comes down to, to self-awareness and choice and understanding where, where, are the, where is this energy coming from? And I think being able to process it in a self or a safe container, I think is really huge. Like we talk about loving presence, right? When you, when you really offer somebody, full, true presence. You're not, you, you know, and, and you can tell when you talk to somebody and they're really present with you, they're not thinking about what to say next. They're not thinking about what they're going to yeah. have for dinner. They're not thinking about their phone and you can tell when their eyes are shifty and if they're actually like their energy is present. Right. And I think there's like, that's really what everybody desires is, is this, this feeling of being heard and seen. Right. I don't think we really need to change anybody's belief structures or systems or where they're at or what their stories are, but we just need to, to learn how to, to hear them, how to see them where they're at. I think there's so much healing power in that. And so I think there's a lot of, and this is why therapy is so important. I think, you know, community is really important and, you know, finding the, the, the ability to speak your truth in a relationship is so important. And so with my wife, like if I'm feeling overwhelmed or even the feeling of like, you know, th this idea that I feel trapped because mm -hmm. I'm with one woman now and this, I, I miss kind of chasing around and, and the, the, the fun and excitement of dating and, yeah. and all this stuff. So when that, when those emotions come up, like I'm able to, to bring that up because me and my wife have a really amazing partnership where it's not me bringing that up because it's what I'm feeling and it's true for me in the moment is it just being able to express it like really allows it to lose its charge. And like a lot of times That's if I express my, my wife, like, Hey, I'm feeling this energy. She's like, ah, I'm feeling this energy too. And it's like, well, okay, let's go change it up. Like, let's go travel a little bit. Let's go, maybe let's go take some space from each other, like whatever it is, but being able to speak where I'm at in the moment helps me navigate life so much better. It's not about, you know, bypassing or like stuffing down, like I need to be happy. And so I put on this mask of happiness, but really my life's like in turmoil over here. It's like, I very much have those emotions coming up all the time. Right. But I think it's being able to 
to express them and process them, whether that's, you know, in a relationship, you know, with a therapist in a community, I think that is really so profoundly important for all of us in our mental health and our emotional health to be able to just feel seen and heard. I love that you have that kind of partnership with your wife. It's something that I value deeply Mm -hmm. with my wife. Um, I, it's funny because she, something that I've had a break since, uh, like the habit that I've had a break inside of a relationship and it's, I've been sitting with this still for some time now because I think it runs really deep in me is I have constantly gone through life feeling like I'm in trouble. Like I'm mm. like something's wrong, like I'm bad or I'm in trouble and I've done nothing. Like <laughs> I don't like do stupid shit where I feel like I'm actually in trouble, but there's this in my bones feel mm-hmm. like I'm in trouble. And I would always ask my wife and still to today, well, sometimes it will creep back up even though I've done so much work. It's like, Hey, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? Did I do something? And it took me a long time to be able to really get to, um, which I'm still doing the root behind that. Um, and it has a lot to do with the, uh, attachment to my mother as a, as a, boy as a young boy and that really created a an, an attachment style of anxiousness and so i mm-hmm. have had an anxious attachment style but it's only been in a safe relationship have i been able to take off the mask and ask and actually ask a hard questions or bring this up to my wife and as a result in partnership now in co-partnership and i'm able to co-regulate and able to work through a lot of these things. So I just think it's like so immensely important and so awesome that you have that space in your life with your wife that you're willing to say, Hey, I'm feeling this energy. Cause I'm just thinking about how many people, how naturally prone we are to be like, shut down, mask on, yeah. not going to talk about that. Yeah. And I'm not going to say it's easy, right? It's actually not really at all. challenging. It's like we're so programmed and it, it really comes down to being in your own sovereign energy. Good, and man. if I say something like that, and then she gets triggered, right? Let's say her abandonment wounding gets triggered or something where she's like, well, you're feeling like you want to go talk to other women. Like, well, you know, and like goes in this whole thing, like that energy might come up, but me holding on to my energy yeah. is going to start leading to resentment. And so it's like, how can I explain that in a loving way and not like project it onto her? And if she starts feeling triggered, then being, then holding space for her and be like, Hey, I see that this is bringing up some stuff for you. Like, let's work through it rather than me going back and being like, I get, why are you feeling like this? I was trying to be honest and like creating this like toxic back and forth dynamic, but yeah. it all comes back to like her energy is her energy. If, if something I say triggers her, then like we can work through that together, but I don't need to take on that energy. Amen. If I'm feeling the need to go do something, it's like I have to bring that up to her and then we can work through that together, but she doesn't have to take that on either. And so it, it really comes down to this idea of sovereignty, right? And creating proper energetic boundaries and not taking, so not only not projecting your feelings onto the other person. Cause like if I'm feeling a certain way and I'd be like, Oh, it's cause of her. It's like, well, you're just projecting your own feelings. Like it, maybe it's something to do with my mom and the way I interact with past relationships, or maybe I felt like I was trapped. I couldn't do what I wanted. And so I'm bringing that into this relationship. So me being able to communicate and her being like, Hey, like, I don't care. Go on a week vacation with your friends and like, go feel your freedom again. Like that's okay. And then come back refreshed and recharge, like being able to work through that. It's not easy, but I think that is really what leads it to really healthy dynamics. And it's really important. Absolutely. It's just the willingness to even like, and when I hear you say this, it's like, oh, this makes sense on why it's going to work because we're two self-aware people who are willing to take responsibility for their own energetic makeup in this world and have a constructive conversations where we're not projecting, but we're willing to pose questions and listen. Like mm-hmm. this is what makes a healthy relationship a relationship. It's funny too, because we were in Los Angeles visiting some friends and 
there was a somebody new to the, our circle of friends in Los Angeles, and Kara and I are very like really lovey dovey. We love each other. We honor and try to we respect each other in public, um, but we let the world know that we love each other. Yeah, <laughs> it's just yeah, naturally yeah. who we are. And I remember this girl. She says, "Oh, y'all just got married. This makes sense now." Like, mm-hmm. oh, you're still in the honeymoon phase of love, right? And I was just like, oh, that's how some people see this. But in reality, no, it's not just because we got married. It's because we've done the work individually to mm-hmm. be able to take responsibility for our energetic makeup and really come to this relationship and to this partnership with a sense of responsibility, and have healthy, hard conversations where we're asking and willing to talk about things that are deeply uncomfortable because we feel safe enough. That's mm. what makes this work. That's nothing to do with just falling in love and getting married recently and being newlyweds. You know yeah. what I mean? It's just funny that yep. people will immediately go to the, oh, that's why you're still young love. Yeah, I feel that too. And it's it's like the, the codependency, right? It's like, you really have to not lose yourself in a relationship. Yeah. You still have to have space to be who you are, especially now navigating with a, with a, with a child. It's like right now it's really challenging because the child is taking so much attention from us and it's, it takes so much work to like make sure he's okay. And so I'm really looking forward to like when he kind of settles down and gets in more of a routine, sleeps through the night where me and my wife can start reconnecting and really yeah. honoring the space that we have for ourselves, for each other, for our family dynamic. All of these things need to be honored. And you have to continue to find love within yourself and not attach to the relationship. Right. I think there's so much power in like, I, I, I don't need this relationship to complete me. I don't need this relationship yeah. to make me feel more important or f- more whole. I think a lot, this old story of, you know, finding our, our true love, our partner, the missing piece, the thing that's going to make me feel complete is so false. Like what I've found is until you can feel whole and complete yourself, and then you, you attract in somebody else who is doing the work to feel whole and complete and love themselves fully that's the only way a relationship's going to work because when you have that, that attachment dynamic and that codependency, then all of a sudden that person starts letting you down because their stuff starts showing up and then you start letting them down. You start projecting on each other. That's when the love gets lost. But when you can work through that stuff together, you can keep that love very much alive because you're honoring each other for who, for who each other is and not attaching and needing the other person to feel so complete and loved. I love that, man. It's just, this fires me up even hearing, you know, another ex NFL athlete talk about this. I think it's so, regardless of just being a man, it's just, it's, it's awesome for me. Um, I, I want to kind of bring this up, bring this to a close with a few rapid fire questions. You good with that? Beautiful. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, first question is, uh, first book that you would recommend right now, what would that book be? Oh, it's the first book that led me on this journey. It's called the monk who sold his Ferrari by Robin Sharma. Um, really had a profound impact on my life. It, it's a story about a trial lawyer who has a heart attack and he basically has this decision to give up his law practice or basically continue doing law and, and end up killing himself if he had another heart attack. And so he goes on this journey to the Himalayan mountains, lives with these monks and just completely shifts his entire life around. Wow. I have never heard of this book and I'm an avid really ferocious reader. So, wow. Thank you. Um, secondly, if you had a billboard, what would that billboard say? On the other side of fear lies freedom. It's powerful. Last question is, what's one thing that you wish people knew about you that don't? Oh, wow. One thing I wish people knew about me. Is, I mean, that it's, I don't have it all together. Mm. That I, I mean, I constantly face my fears. I'm constantly pushing myself outside my comfort zone. 
I think, yeah, man, it's like the journey continues of, of self-discovery, self-work. And, you know, I think if we are alive, we're breathing, then I don't think we ever fully arrive. And so, yeah, man, it's, it's a, it's, there's always, I think everybody has challenges, but it's about, you know, being able to have the self-awareness to work through them. I love it, man. Joe, this has been an absolute privilege and pleasure. Again, I just want to honor you um, and say thank you for the work that you're doing in your own life and also creating a safe space um, for other people to do that work. Uh, real quick, can you explain a little bit more about the Heart Collective and where other people can uh, find you? Yeah, thanks, brother. I really appreciate you having me on and right back at you, man. I love the work that you're doing. Um, the Heart Collective is a community built exclusively for former male professional athletes um, just to, to, to build community and support guys like me and you that are on this journey of self-discovery and finding deeper meaning and purpose in life. I think one of the biggest things and aspects missing from the transition out of sports is this community of guys who know what the experience is like and can support each other through that. Um, we're actually creating a, a wider content strategy with through our master classes and master courses for, for non-athletes as well. So if you're interested in that, you can go to theheartcollective.com. That's H-A-R-T, theheartcollective.com. I also have two podcasts if you want to check out some of the content I'm working on. Uh, Life Beyond the Game, which is uh, Caleb here was on. Just not, I think your episode gets released in a couple of weeks, which I'm really excited about. We had an amazing conversation. Yeah. That's uh, Life Beyond the Game. And then I have Quantum Coffee as well, where it's more spiritual, talking about God, which we kind of dive into that as well. You're a perfect fit for both my friends that I got going on. So check out the podcast, Quantum Coffee. And if you want to follow me on Instagram, it's joe.holly, H-A-W-L-E-Y. And I'll make sure to have all those links in the description to the podcast. Joe, man, thanks again. And uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it. Have a good one. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 